Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast that delivers cutting-edge food as medicine solutions for optimal health. Allie Miller is a nutrition expert sought up by the media and America's top medical institutes for her revolutionary functional medicine interventions. From disease treatment to prevention, every episode will empower you with ways to put yourself back in control of your health. Please note, the topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome, Integrative Dietitians Allie Miller and her co-host Becky Yu. Welcome everyone to the Naturally Nourished Podcast. This is episode 61. This is Becky here with Allie. Hey everyone. And today we are talking all about cravings and food addiction. So this topic is really timely with Thanksgiving just a week behind us and at least three more plus weeks of holiday celebrations before the new year. And I think this time of year can really become a slippery slope for many. We see clinically weight gains of 10 to 15 pounds during the holiday season, increased availability of those less than healthy foods, lots of sugar. Absolutely. A lot of temptation that has some of us feeling like we're running up a downhill escalator of willpower. So hopefully today we're going to talk a lot about the biomechanics of how to curb your cravings, why cravings occur, and of course, as always, some food as medicine solutions to get you above water and cruising with that escalator versus battling it. Awesome. So before we jump in, let's get your updates, Allie. Let's see. Things are kind of rocking over here. I had an awesome Thanksgiving and it was pretty successful as far as navigating foods and such. And I'm just getting off of a five-day intermittent fasting um, span, which is a little longer than I typically do. But I just wanted my own kind of re-harnessing and and reset. And it's been really nice to be back in control of my food. Anytime I'm at an in-law's house or uh, family members, you know, you you do what you can, you bring your snacks, and then sometimes, you know, you have to oblige (laughs) to what's offered and nod and smile and choose the lesser of evil. And um, I'm just really excited to be back on track in my own household. (laughs) How about you, Becky? How'd you do? Awesome. Did great. Also with the in-laws. And I had a little bit of control around what was actually served on the table. So I did some healthier versions of kind of the classics and nobody really noticed the difference. And all things kimchi, right? With your Korean family. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Awesome. So your biome is (laughs) rocking. Yes. Exactly. So everything at the Naturally Nourished Clinic has been pretty full speed ahead. We're getting locked up through the month of January and into my my clinical schedule, I think, is packed into February. And spaces in our virtual ketosis program are filling up. We have, as of now, about 50 remaining spots. So make sure that you guys plug in and it's under books and programs. Go to AllieMillerRD.com books and programs tab and ketosis class tab where you can read all about it there is a bundle that offers our eat fat get skinny ebook and our 
ketogenic kickstart ebook which talks more about the mechanics the efect get skinny is 50 plus recipes and you can if you purchase that bundle you can get started and really wrap your mind around what you're getting into and then the program launches the second week in January and Becky and I will be doing live classes those classes will be recorded so you can re-watch them or if you miss a live one you can watch them you also get access to our private Facebook group and every class which is every other week you're going to get new materials to help to customize your program to get successful outcomes. Awesome. And then just a quick reminder, everyone, before we jump in to follow us on social media. So we're on Facebook and Instagram. It's at Allie Miller RD. And this will help you just stay up on what we're up to in between podcast episodes. Absolutely. Always posting recipes, things that we're doing as far as navigating dining out, uh, success stories, which we'll be doing a lot more heading into December as we push for our ketosis program. But we've seen some awesome engagement and we've had some members already at a weight loss of over 30 pounds in the 12-week program clearer skin, improved energy levels. We've seen improvements in fertility with some of our uh, clients that have been dealing with PCOS. Uh, So really awesome shifts uh, and even things down to the level of autoimmune disease and inflammation, seeing significant improved outcomes. So we hope you'll join us in the January program. And yes, connecting on Instagram and Facebook is a great way to stay engaged. And keto really is just an amazing way to just completely reset your relationship with food, break up with some of those foods that are the more craveable or or cause that downward spiral. Yes. And we'll talk later in the episode about how and, and why this works. But first, Allie, I want to jump in with why cravings happen in the first place, what's actually happening in the brain and in the body when we experience a food craving. Okay. So actually, the number one substance of abuse in our country is food (laughs) and you know there's a lot of trends we're seeing with alcohol abuse or drug drug abuse or especially now the big opioid crisis and addiction but beyond that when we're looking at true incidents of influencing our health and our life expectancy we're seeing that for the first time ever a higher propendency towards type 2 diabetes in children, and that children are supposed to not outlive the life expectancy of their parents. And this is the first time in decades that we're seeing this, and it all ties back to our obesity epidemic. And that really does tie into addictive behaviors and using or seeking foods as a reward mechanism or as an antidepressant or as an anti-anxiety. So we're really seeing, as far as research supports, over 70 million food addictive adults in the country. And like I said, that influences obesity. It has a huge influence on our healthcare. And unfortunately, the food industry and pharmaceutical industry are very in bed together. There's a lot of corporate tie-ins and financial tie-ins where the food industry actually uses what's called a craveability factor and they drive their processed foods to have more what are called excitotoxins or compounds that intensify the taste and feeling as well as patterns in the brain like dopamine and such that follow food consumption and drive addictive tendencies. So this craveability factor that's actually marketed, studied, and researched and being served to our children and our households 
is really, it's, it's, it's uh, disheartening when we're thinking of foods that are in our grocery stores and served to us to be deemed as safe. We know otherwise when we've talked to you guys in episodes on detox and such that there is this term grass or generally recognized as safe uh, in the food industry. And taking that a step further beyond chemical additives and processed compounds, knowing that the food scientists are actually working with our craving patterns in the brain is is just really remarkable and something that I like us to know to use to empower ourselves to get back to real foods. So, you know, taking this a step further to add a research study to this, there was a rat study done by a neuroscience professor and he used Oreos as the substrate and found that they were as addictive as cocaine um, based on the neurological activity in the pleasure center of the brain and that actually outlived the exposure to the drugs of abuse. So there actually have been clinical studies done on foods and typically this comes back to also the hippocampus of the brain which ties in emotional response. And so there is a lot of both association, there's there's an actual chemical compound like the excitotoxins and the combination of fat, sugar, and salt which keep our dopamine levels elevated. But then there's also the hippocampus element of memory nostalgia and often in the brain where we file our food and our love, there's some kind of cross-contamination or double dipping where the brain associates love with food memory and memory food with love. And um, we have that emotional tie that is stronger than association. It's actually something that creates this physiological response and that's what creates these vicious cycles. Okay, so you mentioned dopamine. Let's talk about other neurotransmitters that can be imbalanced and can play a role in cravings and then also how we can look at this and assess this. Yes, so I would highlight three primary neurotransmitters for cravings. There's many and uh, you know, we could even consider something like serotonin, which is the big natural anti-anxiety and antidepressant. But the three that I would highlight are glutamate, dopamine, and then I would also highlight GABA. So glutamate first is associated with addictive um, tendencies and actually has been shown in research. They use this at a lot of outpatient, or actually inpatient treatment centers for alcohol, um, alcoholism and drug abuse. And they'll actually use L-glutamine sublingually or under the tongue in a three to five gram dosage, which is 3,000 to 5,000 milligrams. Um, so generally speaking, if it's pure L-glutamine or uh, we have a product called GI lining powder, our GI lining powder, each scoop, which is of a teaspoon, has 3,500 milligrams. So that would be a 3.5 gram dosage. And um, I like using the GI lining powder as an option with clients because it does have vanilla in there. So it even further helps with sugar cravings. And it has a really nice, uh, nice flavor profile with a little bit of the DGL or diglycerized licorice. So the licorice root also contributes a little bit of sweetness. And that can really help for an intense sugar craving. When you put that scoop under your tongue, it's gonna have a pretty immediate impact uh, within about 10 minutes or so. And L-glutamine is going to help to convert to glutamate. And glutamate is going to satiate those behaviors that are associated with significant craving and addiction. 
It also can help to reduce anxiety and brain fog. So it can help with concentration and focus. It can help to stabilize anxiousness or anxiety flares or peaks. And that's often also what continues to perpetuate or drive a craving. So glutamate deficiency is a big one. And then food forms for L-glutamine, if you, you, like I said, you could start with the GI lining powder. As a baseline, I like to recommend using the GI lining powder at bed uh, because that's going to have the best influence on our gut lining. So glutamine is also a fuel source for our enterocytes or our gut cells, and it helps to line the gut, which is why it's called GI lining. Uh, And so it prevents leaky gut or helps to repair leaky gut if you're doing an elimination diet or a inflammatory food panel protocol. It's an essential element to repairing your gut. And even if you're eliminating inflammatory foods, using that L-glutamine will help to kind of seal the tank and help to prevent further food sensitivities. So it can help on that level of reducing inflammation, but when taken sublingually or directly under the tongue, it can help more immediate in the cravings. So taking it as a baseline at bed will help to make sure you're not depleted or deficient in L-glutamine, and that would be a great a great mechanism or way to use it. And then you may even consider putting a couple amounts in small baggies to have as needed, especially during holiday times of stress, because stress depletes your glutamine more. So it's this vicious cycle, if you will. So that's one to consider. Another one we would look at that I've mentioned already is dopamine. So dopamine is an excitatory neurotransmitter, as is glutamine. And so the dopamine is actually manufactured in the medulla of the adrenal gland. And so this is what we think of as our bliss center in the brain. It it is really associated with cravings and addictive tendencies or reward seeking. So when it gets low, we tend to look for more external reward response. And it's actually even metabolized on a day-to-day basis at different demand. So this is where I talk about that I was a good girl, now what do I get syndrome. (laughs) Uh, If you had a really long day at work um, and you arrive home and your immediate response without even mental processing is to open the pantry or to crack open a beer or pour yourself a glass of wine or to go right for the crunchy salty chip or try to scoop into that ice cream tub at the end of the night when you get your kids down. That is that look for external response to get the dopamine stores up. And if you've ever experienced a quote unquote food coma, that's generally when the dopamine is on high in the brain, when you're kind of in that numbed out sensation. And so again, Dopamine gets depleted from stress demand. So uh, one way to get ahead of the curve is to ensure that your adrenals are supported throughout the day. So you could consider, and and, and this could be multifactorial because if you're supporting your adrenals, you're also going to support your body's energy response. You're also going to support your body's metabolism, the whole connections of how the adrenals regulate inflammation and sleep and all of you know, it's, it's a definite control center for our body, the adrenal gland. And so maybe considering our adrenal support bundle, which has the adrenal support tablets, uh, which has actual glandular compound, the adrenal gland, along with B6 in an activated form, that's going to work as a cofactor to support our neurotransmitters and the adrenal uh, support 
tablet is going to give us that glandular to rebound the adrenal glands. It also has our adaptogen boost. So adaptogen boost um, is going to provide us cordyceps and other adaptogenic herbs, which help us to be resilient to stress response without digging into the adrenals. So they prevent adrenal fatigue and they're very helpful for stress-induced fatigue. And then the third element in there is our calm and clear. And Calm and Clear is a great formula for both stressed and wired or stressed and tired because it has a combination of adaptogenic herbs, including other formulations like ashwagandha. Um, and basically, again, adaptogens help us to adapt to high stress demand without getting depleted in the adrenal gland. But then the Calm and Clear also has something called nervines, and nervines help us to reduce the excitatory stress output. So it's both calmative and rebound formula in that Calm and Clear. It also has L-theanine in there, and L-theanine helps us to boost our alpha waves of the brain that help with concentration and focus. So during times of peak stress, you could work with that entire adrenal support bundle, but specifically to bring up the dopamine would be the adrenal support tablet in there because that's gonna have the most direct effect on supporting the adrenal gland and the manufacturing of dopamine, norepinephrine, and epinephrine, or those excitatory neurotransmitters that are made in the adrenal gland. So um, another thing that you can consider for dopamine, especially if we see that clinically low in an assessment, would be L-tyrosine. So L-tyrosine is an amino acid that uh, helps in the production as a precursor or a building block to produce dopamine. So sometimes if people are dealing with significantly low dopamine and um, we're working the adrenals, we may also have them take L-tyrosine at like 4 or 5 p.m., so when they arrive home, they actually have a peak of dopamine output rather than having that low of dopamine and kind of battling those severe cravings. Awesome. So that sounds like a couple of really good ways to kind of get ahead of these cravings and, and prevent that 5 p.m. going to the pantry or going to the fridge. Yeah, or 9 p.m. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and then the third one that we'd be looking at is GABA. So both dopamine and glutamate, glutamate or glutamate, um, are excitatory and our GABA is something that's called an inhibitory neurotransmitter. So this is one that when low can drive more excitatory response, more anxiety, um, things like insomnia, worry, restlessness. And when GABA is too low, that can drive a difficulty with impulse control. So when GABA is low, we get more of that like white knuckle response to stress, that just intensity, almost out of body, like incredible Hulk and balance. And so GABA really helps uh, to neurologically relax the system. And so the best formula there are our GABA Calm Chews. These can be taken acutely as needed. Again, they help to take that white knuckle effect. They're non-sedative, so you can take them before public speaking. You can take them before flying. It just takes that edge off. Uh, really good for also a transitional formula if you've had a long day at the office and you have to transition to super parent and you want to be present for your children or present for your spouse or partner, right? And you don't want to have that racing anticipatory stress from the day and kind of recalibrate. GABA really helps there. And like I said, it helps specifically with cravings because impulsivity is reduced. So that threshold of screw it <laughs> is greatly reduced and we're back into a present mind space. And also we feel less overall anxious. And there's often that phrase that 
food is the most overabused anti-anxiety, where exercise is the most underutilized antidepressant. So, uh, you know, this really helps to reduce the anxiety, which helps the impulse control, which helps with more of an even-keeled approach with our with our diet. Awesome. And then beyond neurotransmitters and all of this brain chemistry, which I'm sure you could go on and on about, um, let's talk about micronutrient deficiency as the driver. Oh, and before I do that, just real quick for those of you listening, I know we've talked about this on a couple episodes, but I just want to let you know that... So I said, you know, of these formulas that I've recommended, um, the Adrenal Support Bundle, Calm and Clear, GABA Calm, these are all okay to be used um, without advanced testing on the lower dosage of the spectrum. And Calm and Clear is a safe formula because it's on both banks of the river. But if you're using GABA Calm Chews daily and more than two to four chews on a daily basis uh, for more than a 90-day period of time or three months, same thing with the Adrenal Support. If you're using that Adrenal Support tablet daily at more than two tablets per day, we definitely recommend assessing your neurotransmitters and your adrenals because you can overshoot or undershoot and you don't want to just shoot in the dark. I always like information and data. And so we will put a, a link in our show notes on our neurohormone panel. Doing the comprehensive panel will look at your sexual hormone as well. So things like progesterone and estrogen balance and testosterone levels, as well as your cortisol and DHEA, um, and then all of your neurotransmitters as discussed. So the GABA and serotonin, as well as the dopamine, epinephrine, norepinephrine, glutamate. And so that will allow us to have a better understanding of what your baseline is and how to be strategic for your body in its production versus just symptom assessment as the main driver. Um, But again, all of these would be safe within the recommended dosage for up to a 90-day period of time taking daily, and the calm and clear could even exceed that because it does not drive one particular pathology or what doesn't drive one particular biochemical pathway in the body. It's more comprehensive and balancing. Yes, and that data is so important because, you know, even with deficiency or excess of some of these neurotransmitters, the symptoms can actually be the same. So we wouldn't know, you know, just based on symptoms of anxiety or yeah. food cravings per se. Well, and that same thing goes for anyone that's taking a SSRI or an SSRNI. If you're taking a medication that's influencing your serotonin or your norepinephrine, I absolutely recommend monitoring because we can go into selective serotonin excessive syndrome and um, we can also have deficiencies where the medications aren't working so you know anytime we're, we're addressing brain chemistry biannually you know twice a year it's good to assess how your body's responding to what you're taking awesome okay now can we talk about yes, micronutrients? Talk about micro- <laughs> yes. <laughs> so micronutrients are a whole nother world and you know i alluded to the connection because we talked about that adrenal support tablet has b6 So there are nutrients also that play a role in our neurotransmitters, and there's definitely a chicken and egg connection. And so the first micronutrient supporter that I would start with if you're dealing with cravings is protein. Are you getting enough protein? Because protein is comprised of amino acids, and amino acids are what produce as building blocks our neurotransmitters. So all of our brain chemicals are made from building blocks of protein. 
You know, so this is what's going to really help to ensure we have all of our tools or our, our building blocks again for mood stability and for managing anxiety and for managing cravings and reward seeking behaviors and healthy stress response. So generally speaking, on a typical diet, we're looking at about 80 grams of protein a day on average. And so this is going to look and a biological level of like 11 to 12 ounces because each ounce of protein, this is ounces by weight, each ounce of protein by weight has about eight biological, I'm sorry, seven, excuse me, biological grams of protein. So that would mean again, if you're eating a five ounce grass-fed burger patty, five times seven, you're getting 35 ounces of protein 35 grams. I'm sorry, I keep flip-flopping this. If you're getting bah, 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 if you're getting five ounce grass-fed burger patty, five times seven is 35 grams of protein. And again, you need 80 grams a day. So 11 to 12 ounces is going to provide us that 80 grams a day. So also, if you're doing a scoop of my grass-fed, naturally nourished protein powder in a shake or a smoothie, that's going to contribute 24 grams on that 35. Right. So now we're dancing close to our 60 and that would allow us you know another two to three ounces needed in a biological protein so that could be doing um, two to three eggs at breakfast and that would be our layout for the day and protein deficiency other things beyond cravings that we would see could be fatigue we can see muscle aches we can see uh, reduced metabolism or muscle wasting, especially if you're doing like a body composition scan. If you are in active weight loss, it is important to support our muscle mass. And if you are in a ketogenic diet where your body is converted to using only fat as fuel, you can reduce your protein a little bit because the body is using fat and not using the insulin response. And so it's not going to be as prone to muscle wasting. It'll actually be in a muscle preservation mode. But generally speaking, that 80 grams is a good recommendation. And um, other symptoms beyond cravings would be, yes, fatigue, muscle aches, and a reduction in our metabolic function. Awesome. And then beyond protein, let's talk about a couple of the other big ones that can drive food cravings. So how about magnesium? Yes, so magnesium is a big one as well. Magnesium can play a role in blood sugar stability and blood sugar balance. Uh, when deficient, we can see also things like constipation. We can see it uh, being depleted from stress. Stress metabolizes increased amounts of magnesium because it's used for hundreds of different enzymes in the body. And uh, we can also see muscle tension with magnesium and things like insomnia. So I'm sure that rings a bell to a couple of us. The best form on a supplemental level is um, a glycine or glycinate form of magnesium. It's the most bioavailable. And this is going to be more of a neuromuscular relaxer. So our product Relax and Regulate has the magnesium bisglycinate in there. And that is focused on relaxation in a neuromuscular level. So again, that tension in the shoulders, uh, areas where we have tightness in the back, um, and also regulation as far as bowel motility because it actually helps with the peristalsis or the pumping of the GI tract that is that involuntary movement. And when we're stressed, we tend to get a little bit of paralysis in there. So this form of magnesium is not like the milk of magnesia or the magnesia that would be magnesium that would be more of a laxative. Uh, that would be more in the magnesium citrate form. The magnesium glycinate is going to be more of the smooth muscle, and this 
is more bioavailable and this is the one that would help with cravings as well. Food forms for magnesium would be leafy greens, nuts and seeds, and then my favorite recommendation is cacao or um, 100% of cocoa powder. So we have so many different fun recipes on the blog that can support you with taming sugar cravings um, while getting the cacao. Um, we just did a almond butter cacao cup. We have our chocolate avocado mousse, which is in the Naturally Nourished Cookbook. We have many protein shakes that you could do with the cacao. And so that would be a great way to get a two for one with getting the magnesium and your protein up to uh, the ideal range. And um, this is also why we associate during our time of our cycle, women are very intuitive and that need for chocolate, right? Because that can actually help with the cramping and the pain. I love that. So it's actually our body telling we, us that we need that chocolate. Yes, that's a prescription. <laughs> Cash it in. I will take it. <laughs> yes. So another mineral of focus we could consider for cravings would be zinc. So zinc deficiency beyond cravings, we can see things like hair loss or hair thinning. We often tie biotin, and that's the one that's more marketed for it, but zinc has a huge role as well. We can see estrogen dominance when zinc is depleted in the body. We can see uh, vitamin A deficiency, and that can also influence our vision, especially like night vision when we're getting dusk and the uh, daylight is shifting and getting a little bit of... Uh, issues with vision or night blindness it's called. We can also see immune dysfunction and uh, delayed wound healing when zinc is low. So it can play a huge role with like ulcerations along the GI tract internally, as well as scarring and um, wound healing externally. And then overall immune cellular function, which can help with things like prevention of cold and flu. So if you're someone that gets sick often, that's another symptom of likely zinc deficiency. But on a craving level, it's definitely a mineral that we associate as when low, having increased cravings. And things that we can bring in for zinc would be red meat. So our bison, our grass-fed beef, and even um, the uh, salmon, which is going to have a little bit more of that um, red pigmentation, is all going to be helpful for our zinc. Oysters are a great form of zinc as well. And uh, we get good amount of zinc in our calamari and also in pumpkin seeds so i am working on we talked about in our anxiety episode which was a couple back on um, pyloria and how that is a combination of chronic zinc and b6 deficiency and the pyloria is something that can be repleted with bringing your zinc up so zinc definitely has a connection with anxiety and that's one of the mechanisms in which that it can drive cravings Awesome. And then you talked about B6, but what about other vitamin B vitamins? Yeah. I these I mean, play a role with stress. Totally. So like B's across the board. So I also mentioned biotin, right? Which we can see the hair thinning, but also we can see depression associated with biotin deficiency, especially when more severe, significant influence on a neuro neurological level as well, like neuropathy, tingling sensation that also can be seen with B12. And so there's definitely a, a overarching influence of all of our Bs, including folic acid and um, the form of methylfolate. When folic acid gets low, we can often see tendencies towards anxiety, depression, chronic fatigue syndrome, and a whole gamut of other dysfunction in the body. And so uh, I mentioned 
neuropathy, constipation, those mood disturbances, insomnia, and yes, stress depletes B vitamins because it uses those on higher demand. We overmethylate in stress, so we're driving deficiency of folic acid and B12. We're also going to be using more of that B6, like I mentioned, as a neurotransmitter uh, converter, if you will. So metabolism and energy are big pieces of the puzzle, and stress drives depletion. Our best bioavailable form of B vitamins is in biological forms of animal protein. So animal protein products are going to be great. Egg yolks are a great nourishing form. Liver is one of the best forms. And we have a great liver pate on the blog. If you're not open to eating liver, um, and hopefully if you guys did the full Thanksgiving turkey, you incorporated your uh, giblets or organs in your gravy, um, or you incorporated them into a stuffing, um, or you could save them and put them into your broth or into a pate. But great nourishing form of the most bioactive forms of your B vitamins. And you can also try, we have... uh, recipe for liver pills made with raw liver, but if you're a little squirmish on that or are having difficulty sourcing, you definitely want grass-fed only and pasture-raised because you don't want to have a toxic gland if you're consuming the gland as a focus of nourishment. Um, But the Vital Proteins product, the liver pills that we have on our website, could be something you could take as a whole food form in a capsule. And that's going to be a great form of all of your B vitamins, including things like choline, which really support liver function and uh, a little bit more of that methylation, which can, again, be depleted under stress. My family's always really squeamish when I start putting the turkey neck and organs yeah. into her gravy. Yeah. I'm like, you won't even notice it. I know. Step away. Step away from my kitchen. <laughs> All right. And then this last one, um, I wouldn't necessarily think of this as driving cravings. Let's talk about how essential fatty acid deficiency can play a role. Yeah. So essential fats, I mean, fat is the preferred fuel of the brain. And we'll get into this in a moment when we talk a little bit further on ketosis. But, uh, you know, the brain is comprised predominantly of fat. We know that neurotransmitter function is optimized when there is ample fat in the diet. In fact, essential fatty acid supplementation is really key to neurological advancement, especially if there was cognitive decline or things like depression or anxiety. So omega-3 fatty acids are really key in managing cravings and getting ample fat in the diet, period. So from all of our fats, including our oleic acid and our avocado, our olive oil, all of the different forms of whole food forms from our nuts and seeds and whole foods. Um, So wild fish would be a great form of our omega-3s. Egg yolks, again, would be a great form of even some of those omega-3s if they're from pastured chickens. And then, yes, eating olives, nuts and seeds, nut butters, uh, even uh, high-fat dairy, full-fat dairy, grass-fed butter, coconut oil, coconut meat and coconut uh, milk. All of these would be great ways to tonify the brain, and that in turn is going to help with management of cravings. And other symptoms of essential fatty acid deficiency can be seen with cardiovascular health, inflammation. We can also see dry skin or dermatological conditions and um, memory loss and brain fog all being driven again because the brain functions best when it is nourished with essential fats. Awesome. So really, these cravings can be a way of our body telling us that we need more of something or that we're deficient in one of the nutrients. 
But there's this other side of it that I know we talk about all the time that if you're craving a specific food or a specific type of food, like crunchy, salty, that might need to be, uh, I don't know if we can use micronutrient deficiency as the excuse for everything. Right, right. And I mean, there's there's always a potential that we're getting maybe severe uh, like uh, iron deficiency and that causes, you know, the crunching, salting thing. And, and there's things to listen to and look at trends. But when it's, yeah, specific to a food, like I'm craving pizza or I'm craving ice cream, uh, you know, this is often something that I say, think about your food craving and is it above or below the neck? So above the neck and food specific versus categorically specific is a big difference. And so, you know, if we're craving a chocolate shake from fill in the blank fast food restaurant or, or even not fast food restaurant, then maybe that is more of an emotional craving. It's food specific. If we are just craving chocolate in any form and we're comfortable with doing that in more of a nourishing delivery, then that might be more intuitive. Um, and so if it's very specific and if you think of a replacement food that is in the similar category on a nutritional level and it doesn't seem to satiate, then that's an emotional craving. So another example of that would be if we are, um, let's say, craving pizza, right? And we say, okay, well, I'm going to see if how I would feel, especially in our like keto group, we talk about channeling savory. And so I'm going to have uh, five parm crisps because that's going to satiate that salty element. It's going to give me some salt. That could be an adrenal thing. It's going to give me some of that um, tyramine and aging amino acid compound from the cheese. It's going to give me um, that tactile element of the crunch, right? And if that's not going to satiate it and I just want that gummy doughy bread stuff, then that's probably more of an emotional craving, right? So thinking about how you can channel and understand your cravings and work with your body with nourishing alternatives is a great approach. Um, and also checking a timestamp. Did I just eat? Is this a craving that's behavioral? Like within 30 minutes after a meal, I always want something sweet. Then that is more of an emotional thing. And we could work with other alternative behaviors. Like after the meal, we do a hunger satiety scale. We rank our satiation of how satisfied we are on a physiological response, right? So my belly feels satiated. I'm not bloated or distended. I did not overconsume, but I feel that I've eaten to the point of comfort. I know that I've had ample fat, protein, non-starchy vegetables. So for that 30 minute window, I'm going to go for a walk and listen to a podcast, or I'm going to do a different pleasure reward, uh, bliss behavior, like lighting a candle, or I'm going to take a bath, or I'm going to do something else that focuses on self-care, like file my nails, you know, something else that honors my body maybe would be something that could be done. Um, we might practice something like oil pulling at that time, which is great for our microbiome and our oral health, but also a great distracting element and kind of cleanses the palate. And um, if that precipitates or, or extends beyond that 30 minutes, then going for what I recommend in my keto group is going for just pure coconut oil during those times and just having a tablespoon of coconut oil. Give your body pure fat and allow that to hit the brain to, again, manage those craving receptors, and that should do the trick. And, and then dealing with emotional elements and other mechanisms. That's going to be the best way to create a redefinition of food as fuel, as nourishment, without being a crutch that creates a hindrance in your successful outcomes for whole body health. 
Awesome. So I think that's super important to kind of contextualize and distinguish these cravings. Um, yeah. So- and water can help too, honestly. Drinking water. I don't like to drink a lot of water during your meal times because that can dilute your digestive enzymes. But once you're segregated 30 plus minutes after food, that's when you can start really getting your water in. Um, and so making sure you're getting that 75 fluid ounces a day can really help because often our brain confuses thirst signals with hunger. That's really important to throw in there as well. Uh-huh. Um, so let's talk now, let's shift gears a little bit and talk about the role of stress and beyond that, maybe more so the role of poor sleep, because um, that in itself is really a stressor on the body and can drive cravings for certain foods or even diminish our willpower. Yes. So sleep is huge and it is, it's, it's, it's multifactorial because when we're fatigued, so I mean, first and foremost, low quality sleep leads to low energy, right? And so we're often going for those quick, uh, responsive foods like carbs and sugar, which are going to give us that peak of that glucose to kind of wake us up or give us that surge of energy, if you will. But as we've discussed, you guys, just as rapidly as that mountain peaks, we hit the valley response and another crash. And that's what creates that vicious cycle of the mountain and valley dysglycemia, blood sugar imbalance, excess insulin response, inflammation, and all of the yuck that goes with a high carbohydrate diet. So definitely if we are fatigued, we're going to be seeking for those external drivers of getting our energy up. And that could also be caffeine, which then drives poor sleep quality. And that's another vicious cycle, right? So we want to recognize that when we're fatigued and have low quality sleep, that that can definitely play a big influence. And then there actually are changes that we can see on uh, like MRI brain imaging. There was actually a study out of UC Berkeley where they looked at the brains of 23 adults after a normal night's sleep and then after a sleepless night or a disrupted night's sleep. And they found impaired activity in the brain's frontal lobe. And that's the part of the brain that governs our complex decision-making. And also they saw increased activity in the deeper centers that tie to reward mechanisms. So there was less cognitive function and complex brain activity, but yet increased activity in the reward mechanisms and the cravings. So they actually found on a behavioral level that the participants that had interrupted sleep favored unhealthy snacks and junk foods more on the nights that they were sleep deprived or on the days, excuse me, following their sleep deprived nights. So that's a huge piece and and seen on brain imaging. And then we even know, taking that a step further, that there is an influence with leptin. So leptin is one of those uh, compounds that plays a role with satiety. It works inversely with ghrelin, which is a reward-seeking mechanism. And leptin levels are reset when we balance out our carbohydrate intake. So we get just like insulin resistance, we get leptin resistance from high carbohydrate diets. But we see that with improved sleep patterns, uh, getting more REM cycles in our evening sleep, that we get a good balanced output of leptin and that helps with satiation or satiety or reduced cravings throughout the day. And then the fourth mechanism of why sleep is important is that our REM cycle boosts our metabolism, you know? So you're actually burning more calories more efficiently when you're sleeping deeper than when you're not. Awesome. And I think it's so important for 
listeners to hear how kind of multifactorial all of this element of cravings can be because it's, you know, it's not just willpower. It's not just something is wrong with your willpower. Um, It could be, you know, a, a multitude of other things. And sometimes, you know, there are the lifestyle elements like meditation, deep breathing, practicing sleep hygiene. But I definitely recommend that if you're dealing with insomnia or interrupted sleep, start you guys with the calm and clear because that can really, really help. Give yourself a tool to get out of the water and then you can, you know, use your lifestyle elements to maintain and cruise control and reduce the amount that you need. But but often if you're dealing with insomnia, I recommend taking that as like a one, one, two or three at bed um, throughout the day so that you're getting that L-theanine to help with the brain waves. You're getting the valerian root and the nervines to help in that relaxation and sleep. So two or three of those in the evening and then one or two distributed throughout the day can be very helpful in resetting those brain patterns. And you might want to look into your adrenals and cortisol because now we've identified beyond just sleep, stress response, right? There's two factors that could be throwing off why you're overeating or why you're craving foods. Awesome. So knowing that we don't have to just kind of white knuckle and muscle through it is, is very empowering, I think. I agree for sure. Okay. So this next element is pretty interesting as well. Uh, Let's talk about the role of dysbiosis or candida and bacterial overgrowth. And I know we talked a lot about this. It was our just past episode, episode 60 on dysbiosis. Um, But it's so interesting that our our actual biome environment can be what's driving our cravings and overriding willpower as well. Totally. So when people say like, I have a sugar monster, it's out of my body and like it drives me to do crazy things. Yes, it can be neurotransmitters. Yes, it can be micronutrient deficiency, but often that is dysbiosis and often candida. And other signs of candida overgrowth are bloating or distension. So if you have that quote unquote food baby uh, and you're getting that fermentation in the abdomen, uh, if you have any dermatological concerns like um If you run your nails on your skin and you get the red streaking, that's often excessive histamine, which could play a role with the adrenals and or dysbiosis or bacterial imbalance. Um, If we're dealing with vaginal yeast infections or or thrush in the uh, oral cavity, uh, wax in the ears, athlete's feet, all these are fungal symptoms, intolerance of probiotic foods like yogurt or kombucha or probiotic supplements, all of these are a high chance that you have candida overgrowth or dysbiosis. So I would definitely look into our ebook. It's uh, only $19.95. And for the rest of the month, we will be doing a uh, code candida10, which will get you 10% off of the candida bundle, which is the supplement bundle that supports the six-week cleanse. The ebook will speak so much more to that. So start with the ebook, read more on it. You will also have access to a candida quiz in there to really assess your level that I recommend doing pre, in the middle, and at the end of your program so you can assess your outcomes. And um, we've just seen amazing results within the use of our candida cleanse bundle of supplements, pairing that with the diet, which is a restrictive carbohydrate diet. It removes all yeasted foods. And yes, we talked more about that in episode 60. So I just think that it's something to consider if you're someone that haven't have not listened to that episode and you have other forms of bacterial imbalance. Oh, two other big symptoms would be loose stools or constipation. So if you're having bowel irregularity and the bloating and any of those other fungal symptoms, 
definitely read the Candida Cleanse uh, Beat the Bloat ebook to learn more. Awesome. And then even beyond a candida cleanse, you know, it, it does, it comes with a six week or more depending on kind of the level. Um, but six week protocol for resetting the diet and that actually can help to pull out some of those more kind of craveable and more processed foods and things like that. Uh, but we could also use something like ketosis to help to reset and kick cravings. Oh, totally. Candida is just kind of one of the one of the many reasons that we might use a ketogenic diet. So let's yeah. talk about that. Yeah, and I, I often call ketosis like a extra credit version of a candida cleanse because the candida cleanse we restrict you to sixty grams of carbs, whereas ketosis is less than thirty grams of carbs. And both of these protocols are completely grain free, flour free, like you said. So that's a huge element of craveable foods and uh, refined sugars and keeping carbs uh, low is really going to help. But when you actually go into ketosis beyond supporting a bacterial reset, you get other mechanistic shifts. So you actually can get a hormonal reset where we get an increased surge of leptin. We get that leptin sensitivity again when we go on that very low carbohydrate diet. So now leptin is able to dock more successfully. We also, by the manufacturing and presence of ketone bodies, ketones actually sit on receptors in the brain that, and that's the mechanism of how they can help with epilepsy and seizure activity, but they also help with neurological impulse and reduce cravings themselves so they can create satiation on their own, the production and utilization of ketones as fuel. And that can also help very significantly reduce that as I was speaking before, mountain and valley shift of energy and blood sugar cascades because you're not using blood sugar as fuel, you're using fat as fuel. So you're getting a much more balanced, almost a pronounced moderate speed bump or flat line influence, but on a higher amount of energy. So not flat line speaking in a low, more of an even keeled consistent ample amount of energy as well as cognitive function that you get from the high fat, very low carbohydrate diet. So the production of ketones uh, help, and this is where people call it a keto high, and people even will say they forget to eat and have difficulty getting in their nutrients, and that's really where in our 12-week virtual ketosis platform, we are very strategic about using food as medicine within the ketogenic diet, so you're still getting your leafy greens, you're still getting your magnesium, your zinc-rich foods, uh, your essential fatty acids, of course, are hit pretty much across the board, but ensuring that we're not doing this with processed foods beyond macros of carb, protein, and fat, making sure on an antioxidant and phyto compound and micronutrient level that we're supporting your body for full, full comprehensive health. And so our virtual ketosis program would be a huge recommendation, especially to launch after the holidays to kickstart your weight loss and get you on track for the, for the new year and, and making this your body to really honor your temple. Your year, not your body. Your year to honor your body <laughs> as your temple. And then I know, Allie, you wrote a blog post recently about how you use keto during the holiday season or have this year to manage cravings and just kind of redefine that whole relationship. Yes. So, you know, it's funny because I've been running ketogenic programs in my practice, uh, well, and prior to opening my own practice since 2009, and uh, I have used it myself intermittently. Um, but post Stella, uh, when I had Stella, I really started playing with it more personally in 2016 and onward. And this is my full-blown first holiday season of being in ketosis with just doing cycles twice a month. 
of carb cycling and that's a whole nother conversation but um i yeah i write about my experience of of the emotional elements and strings of of what foods mean to me today and i hope it's helpful i think it will be and it it really my whole idea is taking the power away from carbohydrates as far as how carbohydrates can sit on a pedestal if you will and allowing yourself to eat real food but still stay with low carb success and if you're listening to this after the holiday season or in the new year I think it's a helpful blog regardless to manage social situations and uh, birthdays and all of those things Um, and I talk about how I made a uh, pumpkin uh, recipe and actually adapted it to only have 10 to 12 grams of carbs per serving and it didn't evoke that same craving response that I would have had it been at that 20 to 30 because I was using ketones as fuel and so it was nourishing it was satiating but I still felt super grounded throughout the entire time and so I'm honoring my body's needs and listening to my body and participating in seasonal foods, if you will, not feeling completely over-restricted, um, but yet still staying successful with the the mechanisms of a very low-carbohydrate diet. Awesome. I love that. And then let's just, to wrap up here, Allie, give listeners a couple of recipe ideas that could help with curbing cravings or our um, nutritionally dense replacements for some of those more craveable food and let's pick a couple that are either seasonal or party friendly and fun yeah so we just recently did the olive tapenade and cucumber cups i love these Um, they're so pretty and can be a great thing to bring to a party you can also play with versions where you do like the olive oil soaked red peppers um, to add a little flair of color in there and that looks very you know green and red which is kind of fun Um, our parm crisps are always a fan favorite as are our salmon pinwheels so those are another really great beautiful bright thing to bring and then the pumpkin keto cheesecake bites are another fun one that we can do and and, um, look really pretty they're rolled in pecans and um, really great high fat option to keep in your freezer to help you get through this holiday season and again if you're dealing with a craving that's above the neck see if you can satiate it with a higher fat version of that craving and um, you know then going to behavioral elements to really put that craving to bed and and manage everything on a baseline and the the last thing I just want to make sure I mention so away from food right away but but those four things are great and we'll put links to those recipes on the blog and the naturally nourished cookbook has so much stuff you guys so I'm hoping that by episode 61 you all listeners have a copy uh, but please order one of those and we'll be doing some promotions over the holiday season with um, sales on my cookbook so great gift stop stocking stuffer for other family members to share food as medicine with friends and uh, family so we'll be posting that with a promo code um, but the last thing I just want to mention is on a supplemental level because we've mentioned that micronutrients can play a big role please be sure that you do take as an insurance policy a good quality multivitamin as well Um, especially as we're still in cold and flu season you guys it goes all the way through March April so I would definitely recommend the multi-defense without iron if you're not menstruating with iron if you're menstruating and um, that is going to be a bioavailable form of all of the micronutrients so all forms of minerals are going to be chelated to be most bioavailable and then we're also going to get the methylated forms of the b vitamins in there and it has a phytocompound antioxidant blend in there as well so that's a great base defense the multi-defense as 
a great quality multivitamin to be an insurance policy for those micronutrient deficiencies. Awesome. So I think we've given listeners so much to think about in terms of practical solutions to taming their cravings and just really taking away that power that food can have over us, you know, from the neurotransmitter and hormonal influence to the micronutrient piece to candida. We've talked about a lot. um, And I hope you all can identify with and apply just a couple of these tips to just cruise through the rest of your holiday season and feel really empowered around food. Yes, and we will be following up. We had such uh, dense show notes that in episode 67, which will be coming out in the new year, we're going to be talking about goal setting, accountability, but we're also going to be connecting more of the behavioral elements of how we can combat food cravings. So today was all about the biomechanics, like Becky said, and some of the nerdy, geeky, functional medicine stuff, and talking about tools on a supplemental and dietary level. And we hope that you guys, some of these things resonate, and you'll give, if you have not done ketosis, this is definitely the time to try it. So again, check out our virtual ketosis class, which is under books and programs on AllieMillerRD.com. Only a couple spots left. And by the time this goes live, I'm sure even less than the 50 I mentioned. So I hope you'll join us live and we'll get to meet you all virtually. And thanks always as listening. If you have a moment and you can take a time to go over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review, share this episode on Facebook or Instagram with family or, fr- or friends that you feel could benefit benefit. We always appreciate you sharing food as medicine and functional medicine with those that you love. Uh, Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for listening to the Naturally Nourished podcast. Visit our blog at AllieMillerRD.com for recipes, wellness tips, and food as medicine meal plans. Connect with Allie and Becky at AllieMillerRD on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Until next time, stay nourished and be well.